Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home. This is Francesco. I am podcasting from the headquarters of my company, Amethyx Technologies, based in Belgium, the heart of Europe. In this episode, I'm going to speak about an interesting work about how to make neural network training faster without GPUs which is kind of weird because most of the time we hear that when there is an improvement in uh, you know any training methodology that is out there most of the time these methods come with a massive gpu with uh, uh, many more cores etc etc well in this case uh, there is a group of researchers from the google brain research group who found a way it's kind of a simple method that tries to squeeze the hardware <laughs> the, the available hardware to the needs of uh, of a training process in uh, neural networks. The method is called data echoing, and it consists in replicating some stages in the training pipeline. But of course, I will get into details in a minute. Generally speaking, data echoing is a methodology that reduces the total computation used by earlier pipeline stages and speeds up training whenever computation upstream from accelerators dominates the training time. Now, of course, this is a, a very genetic description of what data echoing does. And in this episode, I would like to get into more technical details so that you can have a better understanding of what this research group is uh, uh, is working on and how can this approach improve the uh, training methods that you will find in everyday life. In fact, a training program may need to read and decompress training data, shuffle it, batch it, and then transform or augment this data before going to the, you know, the core of, of, of neural network training, which is stochastic gradient descent. If you're not familiar with the concept of stochastic gradient descent, there are a number of posts that we have on the blog of amethyx.com, A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com, is the blog that uh, supports this podcast, in which you can read, of course, very interesting posts and articles about machine learning and artificial intelligence, among which there is a series about optimization and stochastic gradient descent. So if you're not familiar with that, please take the time to get there and read about it. So the observation of this research group is basically very, very simple. And, you know, they claim that, and that's of course very true, that any training process is in fact composed by a number of steps of stages in an hypothetical pipeline. And this pipeline usually starts with reading and decode the data from disk or remote locations, whatever, then to shuffle this data, then there is an application of so-called augmentation of the data. Then there is the batch that will feed eventually the step, the next step, which is the stochastic gradient descent update. And here there is, you know, the function minimization that we all know. Uh, whenever we say we are training the network, in fact, we are updating the weights of this neural network, right? But before that, there are in fact four essential steps that might take time. And usually they do take time because you know there is a, uh, they they require to read uh, and to 
transform the data. They have to read the data from disk probably, which is of course the uh, the slowest component in the entire process. They have to shuffle this data, which means you know applying some form of permutation. And of course, this is an operation that also requires quite a bit of memory. Then they need to batch this data and so on and so forth. So the observation of this research group is, is as I said, very simple. And they realized that in this pipeline, in the typical neural network training pipeline, there are some tasks that take longer than others, which means that the CPU is idle for a consistent amount of time. Now, this is a problem, of course, because an idle CPU is a CPU that is doing nothing while it could be doing something else, and we could eventually do some other operations that we have to do anyway, and so we better start doing them as soon as we can. So this observation, you know, it's very simple just because it tries to identify the tasks that require longer than others. And instead of setting or putting the CPU in idle state, they squeeze the CPU to their needs, which means that the CPU never goes idle. And so how can we do this? Well, in fact, this is possible if uh, we insert in the pipeline, in the typical neural network training pipeline, we insert a replication step. Hence the name data echoing, because in fact, what a data echoing algorithm does is inserting a repeat stage somewhere in the training pipeline, of course, before the stochastic gradient descent update, which I uh, try to frame it in a, in a visual way, uh, is the last step, is the last stage in the pipeline. I just repeat the five, uh, you know, typical stages in the network training pipeline, which are read and decode, shuffle, augmentation, batch, and finally the SGD update. So whatever comes before the SGD update is in fact something that is taking some time. Usually it takes longer than than the rest of the of the of the pipeline, and so if we insert in this pipeline, in, at the beginning of this pipeline, we insert a repeat stage, well, something magic happens. And what is this something magic? Well, the repeat stage, as I said, is nothing more than repeating the output that has been provided by a previous step. And, and so there is, in fact, data replication. Now, how effective this data replication is, is something that we have to prove, and that's exactly what the authors of this work have proved, have demonstrated in some experiments that they run in order to demonstrate several points of the entire methodology. For example, they prove that data echoing reduces the amount of upstream computation needed to reach a competitive out-of-sample error rate on different data sets, of course. Another thing they prove is, well, they demonstrate is that data echoing can support a wide range of so-called echoing factors, which is the number of times each intermediate output gets used within the pipeline, within the same pipeline. So if the echoing factor is high, of course, you know, it is expected that the speed up of the entire method will be much higher. And the third thing that they demonstrate is that, and I think this is one of the most important ones, is that the effectiveness of data echoing depends on the insertion point in the training pipeline. So it really depends where we insert this repeat stage in the pipeline. 
And this is something that it's kind of, you know, not, not immediate to understand why. And uh, it's quite interesting how the authors, you know, justify and claim where, you know, changing the location or where you put this repeat stage will in fact change completely and uh, improve or not the uh, overall training time. The last point that is demonstrated by the research group is that data echoing can benefit from additional shuffling after the echoing has occurred, but does not require it necessarily. So this is a very brief description of what data echoing is. Now let's get to the details of um, where to insert uh, the, the repeat stage in the training pipeline. And what does this stage do? The first thing that we have to understand is the so-called ratio of upstream to downstream processing time. So what is this? Well, when we insert a new repeat stage anywhere in the pipeline, whatever is before this stage is called the upstream task. And whatever comes after the repeat stage is called the downstream task. Okay? It's very simple. Upstream, downstream. Upstream is what is before and downstream is what is after this repeat stage inserted in the pipeline. Now, it has to happen one important thing that otherwise things don't work. And so what is this important thing is that the time required by the task or the series of tasks before the repeat stage, so whatever happens upstream, has to dominate the, pipe, the timing of the training. And this is very important because the time required by the upstream task has to be higher than the time required by the downstream task. If that's not the case, no speed up will be experienced. And so there would be no reason to have to even considering data echoing as a solution to squeeze the hardware to your needs. When that's the case, however, so when this ratio is relatively high, and we will get into some numerical details at the end of this episode. When that's the case, that R is larger than one, for example, which means that the time upstream is, exceeds the time of the downstream task, well, then we will, in fact, have a reduction in the training time of the overall pipeline. Now, one might come with an observation that is, hey, repeated data might be less valuable than completely fresh data. And in fact, what we are doing with the repeat stage, as we say, is repeating data. And so, of course, there will be, of course, completely fresh data are always more beneficial than repeated data. And so this means that data echoing might require more downstream SGD updates in order to reach the desired predictive performance. Now, given that any operation in the training pipeline takes some time to execute, as I said, there is a, you know, loading the data, there is shuffling it, data augmentation, and so on and so forth, R is the largest. So this ratio, remember, T upstream divided by T downstream, is largest if data equaling is applied just before the SGD update, which means at the very last stage in the pipeline. But of course, this means that the same batch will be used multiple times in an epoch. Now, of course, in order to have a more favorable trade-off between the number of upstream steps and the downstream steps, the author placed this repeat stage somewhere before the SGD update. Okay, so somewhere 
earlier in the pipeline. And so, of course, they also tried, uh, you know, to place, to, to position this repeat stage in different locations within the same pipeline. For example, echoing before or after the batching step and echoing before or after the augmentation step. And so what did they find? Well, echoing before batching means that data is repeated and then shuffled at the example level instead of the batch level. So you have the raw data, you have some transformation and stuff, and then you basically do have the shuffling and then you batch it. Now, this means that the likelihood that consecutive batches will be different is higher. And of course, th there is a price to pay, which is there might be potentially duplicating examples within the same batch. Now, of course, this still works in the sense that we don't know if, from a theoretical perspective at least, having a more diversification across batches or within batches is more important or more effective uh, than the other. We don't know that yet. This is an empirical question uh, that, has, that is also addressed in the, in the paper, but there is no theoretical foundation that shows us what is better than what. The second experiment that has been conducted is about echoing before or after the augmentation step. And so echoing before the data augmentation allows repeated data to be transformed in a different way, potentially making you know, the repeated data more look like fresh data. And so because you first, you load the same batch, in fact, you load the same data, and then you just augment this data in a different way. So this, you know, forces the network or kind of fools the network or, well, the stochastic gradient descent step is fooled to think that this is real data and this is fresh data and always different, while it's not. Of course, the, uh, the authors performed a number of experiments to show that there is, in fact, an improvement and, you know, all the claims they make are uh, supported by experiments and, and numerical benchmarks. And so they evaluated this data echoing method on um, uh, three tasks, which is two language modeling tasks, two image classification tasks, and one object detection task. So three different, let's say, types of, um, of prediction in order to you know, have a, a panoramic view and have a pretty generic view and uh, understanding if this method indeed is working only on one specific uh, task type or indeed it, it generalizes well across different types. And the primary question that they investigated was whether data echoing could provide a training speed up. So that's the very first thing they wanted to measure. Now, of course, this is not an easy task because measuring the training speed up, I, you know, it should be done with respect to the number of fresh training examples that are required to reach a certain target. And of course, they conducted the experiment exactly that way. So I must say that I think it's a, it's a very nice way and very correct way of measuring things. They also designed their experiments to investigate if data echoing could reduce the number of fresh examples that are needed for uh, to, to reach a certain target. And I think this is the most important part of this paper. It's um, because, you know, they wanted to demonstrate that, in fact, you can reach the same target or a very similar target in terms of accuracy with less samples, in fact. So this is a very interesting point. And uh, 
This doesn't happen all the time, of course, but it happens and a consistent number of times across all these experiments. So that's why I think the entire method is definitely worth to be considered for your daily uh, machine learning training. The take-home message of this work are really, really interesting. One in particular that data echoing can reduce the number of fresh examples required for training. I will. I want to stress on this one because there are more and more research groups that are spending energy and efforts on um, minimizing the number of samples that are required for a neural network to converge to a certain performance to a certain accuracy. And so if we can minimize the number of examples that we need to feed the network with, well, that's a big win, I think. And so in all cases, except in one, the data echoing approach requires strictly fewer fresh examples than the baseline in order to reach the target out of sample performance. But of course, in all other cases, they require a similar amount of fresh examples as the baseline and definitely doesn't harm the training either. So this is a very interesting point. Another interesting point is that the earlier echoing is inserted in the pipeline, the fewer fresh examples are needed. It's kind of, it's not, not really immediate to understand why is the case, but in the paper it is explained, of course, why. I think that it's also, you know, the earlier this echoing is inserted in the pipeline, the more difficult it becomes to experience the large ratio of the T upstream divided by the T downstream. So if we put the repeat stage too early in the pipeline, it's going to be difficult to have a number of steps that the time of which exceeds the time of the downstream task. And so, you know, it's always difficult to find a trade-off at that point. So that's why they keep pushing the repeat stage deeper in the pipeline and not exactly at the beginning or in the very early stages. But of course, if that happens and if, you know, if, if they can do that, they measure that fewer fresh examples are usually needed. The second point they prove is that data echoing can reduce training time. And this is very interesting because, of course, it, as we said, it can reduce training time as long as the ratio T upstream divided by T downstream is large enough. And so they measure that, for example, for, with different, uh, for different values of R, they can appreciate different speed up or different improvements that, of course, are kind of directly proportional to, this, to the value of R that goes from 1.5 to 4. Yet another point is about data echoing as batch size increases. So as the batch size increases, the performance of batch echoing relative to the baseline either stays the same or improves. And this is also another point that makes perfect sense because if the batch size increases and kind of approaches the training set size, it is observed that the repeated batches should approximate the fresh batches you know, as the batch size increases. They also showed how the performance of batch echoing improves if repeated batches are shuffled. 
with more shuffling giving increasingly better performance. This also makes sense and probably goes hand to hand with the size of the, uh, of the, of the buffer. So increasing the shuffle buffer size and also increasing the, the shuffle frequency definitely improves the performance of the overall approach. The last point, and that's probably one of the most important ones, is that data echoing does not harm predictive performance. So one might be concerned that indeed reusing data could harm final predictive performance because in fact we are just, you know, feeding the network with the same thing. And so one can say, hey, I mean, the network will never explore new observations, new samples, and so you are kind of fooling the network, but also fooling me, you know, the researcher who's going to use this stuff. And so say, hey, I have like 10 gigs data and you're probably using only one and repeating it. So where's the deal? You know, and this is a, an observation that anyone can raise. Of course, I did that myself as I was reading the paper. And what they claim is that they did not observe any case where data echoing with a reasonable echoing factor failed to reach the target metric value they uh, imposed to the network. So this is, I found this kind of observation you know, kind of counterintuitive. To be honest with you, I have no elements to uh, evaluate this. I heavily trust the authors of this paper, and I really hope that this method is general enough to be considered for, uh, for everyday training. So to conclude, data echoing is a very simple strategy that definitely increases hardware utilization when all the conditions apply, of course, and when the training pipeline has some kind of a bottleneck in one of the upstream stages. So this is a very interesting paper. I really advise you to give it a shot. You will find the paper in the references of this episode, as always. And uh, I really advise you to subscribe to the newsletter of Amethics Technologies at amethics.com, A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com. It's free of charge and also free of spam. We don't like spam. So please subscribe and get your best selection in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.